SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. And welcome to SciShow Tangent, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I am joined by Stefan Chin. Stefan, what's your tagline? Tomorrow's a new day. That's... That sounds sad. <laughs> I'm happy. Why I thought that was that? That? <laughs> Why are you so sad? I'm not. Okay, okay good. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. Sam, what's your tagline? Oh, my allergies. Oh, oh everybody. My mouth season. is so itchy all the time. Oh. <laughs> Sari Riley has also joined us. Yep. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Do you ever get so stressed out that you're nauseated? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> That's like what I am. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This is very cheery. Tomorrow's a new day, as Stefan said. So. Yeah. Oh, my allergies. That's your tagline. <laughs> Doing my best. Doing my best. Mm. And I'm Hank Green. And uh, my tagline is feet for feet. Your last one was feet or neat. Oh, shit. <laughs> I got to mix, mix it up. Uh, and my tagline is balls to the wall, motherfucker. <laughs> 
What? Cool. That's, That's the, the kind energy. of energy we need. Yeah, yeah the energy we're bringing to the podcast today. I like it. Should I have at, I should have said tomorrow's a new day, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go hard enough. Yeah, we Shoot. should have all done that. Doing Dang my it. best, motherfucker. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, and we're also playing for Hank Bucks. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by previous conversations, we won't be great at that. So, if the rest of the team deems a tangent unworthy, we can force you to give up one of your Hank Bucks tangent with care. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, this week from Stefan. This poem's called The Dragonfly. Changing changes, pieces shift places. Aging in stages, now freedom it faces. As a baby, it squirted water out of its anus, but now it has wings and can fly to new places. That's good. Uh, I feel like if you have the ability to like jet yourself around with your ass, you don't give that up. Imagine if baby human swimming lessons were that different oh. from adult swimming lessons. It was just like, let him go. We have a whole different pool for this. Yeah, yeah you would need a different one. Yeah. After. The water's got to be more dangerous than the air, though, right? Like if you're in the water, there's yeah. more fish to eat you than there's stuff to eat you if you're flying around in the air, right? Right. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, dragonflies when they're adults, they're they're predators. Mm-hmm. I think the dragonfly nips though. They're, they're pretty mean. I think. I think they also eat stuff. Yeah, they eat baby but fish. They I'm pretty get sure. Eaten by fish. Also, shooting water out your butt gives you more propulsion because mm-hmm. it's more mass mm-hmm. per unit of volume. Yeah. Oh, then your wings shooting can air out, out of your, your butt. I wish that there was an insect that shot air through its butt in the air, but I, that seems very yeah. inefficient. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely like not it. good. Airplanes kind of do that. It's where they keep the generator on the plane. It's in the back, and oh. then it's got its exhaust out there. Oh, so that's, that's not you're... for thrust. No, it's not for thrust. It's probably adding it's just pooping. some little amount, maybe? Maybe the tiniest <laughs> amount. Yeah, anything <laughs> mm-hmm. that pushes Just as much mass. as like a human fart would right. accelerate oh, a human yeah, being. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're not in space, it'd push you backwards. <laughs> and if you fart, it'd push you forward. Yeah. So you just gotta do both at the same time. And then which is stronger? Yeah. Like an movable object. We have a lot of experiments to do up there. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for this entire (laughs) beginning of the episode. (laughs) Stefan's got a point for his poem. Yes, thank you. We didn't even talk about what the topic is. Now we have to talk about what the topic is, which is metamorphosis. Sari, help. So I couldn't find a very precise definition, but metamorphosis seems to be any sort of extreme physical transformation Mm -hmm. in the morphology of an organism. Mm -hmm. And this physical change also affects their behavior in some way and also usually their ecological niche. For example, caterpillar turning into a butterfly or a tadpole into a frog or a dragonfly nymph into a full-grown dragonfly. Tadpoles swim in the water and have right. gills, and then they grow mm. lungs and have to breathe air as frogs. Like have a sort of a whole different survival strategy and also a different body plan. And that drastic transition mm-hmm. in a short period of time is metamorphosis. I would love it if there was, there has to be, it's a big universe, a sentient species that does metamorphosis. Instead of like, coming of age, we're going to have your quinceanera or your bar mitzvah, like, no, you are going to go in a cocoon, in a cocoon. and then you're going to come out an adult. <laughs> yeah. That would be so wild. That's Ugh. basically Pokemon. Ugh, are Pokemon sentient? Ooh, yeah. Okay, really? if you look at like Mewtwo, <laughs> I don't know, he talks. Mewtwo can it's speak the brain. human language. Ooh. Yeah, Pikachu, they all Pikachu, understand yeah. words. Okay, I didn't know about this. I'm old, too old for Pokemon lore, Yeah, and I'm worried about the whole setup now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You imprison sentient. <laughs> 
sentient species I mean, in I'd your yes. balls. Say and make them fight for you. Like a squirtle mm. is as smart as like a yeah. toddler, at least. Well, yeah, because they knew enough like in the TV show to fight <laughs> fires and like help out. Yeah, and wear assemble. sunglasses. They had friends. Yeah. So there you go. The, <laughs> yeah. Who started this one? Uh, <laughs> it was me. It was a thousand percent me. <laughs> okay. Well, Sarah has negative one point. Yeah. But I can tell you more about metamorphosis. I know it won't make up for That's it. That's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so there's complete metamorphosis, which is like a caterpillar to butterfly where the body plan significantly changes. But there's also incomplete metamorphosis, which I learned about called hemimetaboly. So that is certain types of insects where the nymphs look like smaller versions of the adult and mm-hmm. they just like keep shedding their exoskeletons like Russian nesting dolls mm-hmm. and those increasingly bigger nymphs or larvae are called instars instars which is a very cool that name that is yeah. nice why doesn't a human growing up count as like incomplete metamorphosis because we don't shed our skin I think kinda we do <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were to change metabolically like have hormones level change and then as teenagers we like shed our exoskeleton uh-huh. and then a slightly bigger version of ourselves popped out mm. that would be metamorphosis oh. but our change is too gradual okay i think i got a sunburn in high school where that happened well because like snakes don't undergo right Ooh. i don't know some reptiles do but i don't think like snakes shedding their skin that's not metamorphosis right. not even incomplete metamorphosis i don't think so oh boy yeah check. so it turns out it's fuzzy it's always yeah, fuzzy it there's like always a, a blurry line i'm metamorphosizing yeah. i'm doing it right now yeah. <laughs> the non-science couch is convinced that everything metamorphosis <laughs> yes <laughs> so we'll just present that uh-huh. to the audience and see which couch they'd like to go with wow. yeah i used to be a little version of me you did look at me yeah. now okay so for the purposes of this episode extreme quick growth into something different ish Yes. Okay. Yeah. And different ish in appearance, behavior, things that it eats or uh-huh. eats them. Maybe you're constantly undergoing very slight states of hemimetamorphosis, Sam, every time you lose a skin cell and yeah. get a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a goldfish. I just keep growing until I match the surroundings. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even work for goldfish. Oh. But I do, I will keep your office the same size for that reason. Good. I don't want to get too big or too small. They can't shrink again, they just they can't. Sad. Okay, well. Yeah, they can't shrink. They can just die. So I guess that means it's time for... Where one of our panelists, it's me this time, has prepared three science facts. But only one of those facts is real. And the rest of you have to guess which fact is real by deduction or wild guess. And if you do, you get the Hank Buck. If you don't, I get your Hank Buck. And this week we're talking about a metamorphosis. We're talking about a beautiful blue butterfly, the Alcon blue butterfly, which likes to outsource the work of raising its young to their friendly neighborhood Myrmica ants. Mimicking the ants' surface chemistry, the butterflies trick the ants into taking care of the young caterpillars. So the caterpillars basically change the chemicals they're expressing on them so that they look to the ants like ants. And then the ants get like super invested in them and feed the caterpillars at the expense of their own young. The caterpillar can live for up to two years inside the nest before turning into a chrysalis and eventually emerging from the nest into a fully formed butterfly. But in that time, things can go a bit wrong. Which of the following is the worst case scenario for the Alcon butterfly caterpillar? 
Number one, the parasiter becomes the parasite. While the ant colony may not know that there's a caterpillar in ants' chemical clothing among them, a parasitic wasp does. It enters the nest. The wasp releases a pheromone that incites the ants to fight each other. And then in the confusion, it injects its oh. own egg into the caterpillar's body. The colony seemingly returns to normal after the wasp leaves the nest. But when the time comes for the caterpillar to pupate, the wasp grub eats out the inside of the chrysalis, and then instead of emerging as a beautiful blue butterfly, out comes a wasp. Or, number two, the ants catch on. As the caterpillar begins to enter the chrysalis stage, some of the ants continue taking care of it, but in one of the species, the spell begins to wear off. Recognizing the changing chemical signatures from the chrysalis, the ants have evolved to take advantage of the meal that has been taking advantage of their hospitality, striking early while the chrysalis is still soft. They consume the inside of the chrysalis, providing a nice cold dish of revenge. Or, number three, raised by ants, the Alcon butterfly undergoes a bit of an identity crisis that stays with them through adulthood. Even after flying away from their host homes, the Alcon butterfly has been observed trailing around the ant nests, even when it isn't trying to offload its young. It's most striking during the annual nuptial flight of the ants. It's likely due to the common chemical signatures it has evolved to resemble the ants. The Alcon butterflies have been observed trying to join these large mating swarms so that they can unsuccessfully court the queen ant. I hope it's that last one. And nobody has to die. Yeah, nobody <laughs> dies there. So your facts are, one, that the parasitic wasp lays an egg inside of the caterpillar and then as it turns into a chrysalis, it eats the inside and is all happy. Or two, the ants turn on their parasite and consume it. Or three... The butterfly gets a bit horny with the ants what? because it gets confused by the chemical signatures. misses his friends. I want to go back with my friends who raised me. Yeah. So they get a big old grub and they're like, this is our big baby now. This is our big, big baby. <laughs> we love our big baby. Uh-huh. They don't want to discriminate. It's just a chunky boy. But they kind of do because they're like, all our other babies yeah. aren't as cool as this one big baby. Yeah. <laughs> and it eats so much. Yeah. It's always hungry. <laughs> you said they can live there for two years, but how long do the ants take to grow up? Like, oh, well, multiple generations of ants, maybe. Of ants, so they're just yeah. like hanging out there. And they're just like, oh, that's my grandpa's this, baby. Yeah, <laughs> this giant caterpillar <laughs> has been here my entire life, <laughs> and I, it's just my job to feed it. And I love him. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> it smells so good. I mean, it just reminds you that, like, ant brains, right? Uh, like, how they decide mm-hmm. what to do with their lives. <sighs> is all chemical signatures. Yeah. And if you can mimic those chemical signatures, then you can get, like, fed oh. for two years straight. I also mm-hmm. just like that there's some things that l- their babies look like ants so they can blend in. Right. This one doesn't even bother. No. It just smells just like a, an ant. <laughs> a big old chunky boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty stuck on the last one. Mm. I don't I don't want it to be the other ones, so I'm going to go with that one. Oh, yeah. There are wasps that parasitize all kinds of things. Yeah. Parasitic wasps will lay their eggs in anything. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like it could be so true. So watch out, Sam. In me, too? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Probably no, no humans. Never, I think I'm, just insects. Yeah, the second <sighs> one sounds plausible because it's just like you have a little smoothie in there. It turns itself into goo so right. you don't have to. So it's just like, oh, this isn't not a baby anymore. It's a snack. <laughs> the first one does seem kind of unbelievable to me. It's like a secret spy mission. Like you have to sow confusion and then sneak into yeah. the nest <laughs> so you can inject this one thing. I, I'm going to go with the second one. I'm going to go with... I thought you already went with the second oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can go with the second <laughs> no, it's one. fine. No, I'll go with the second okay. one. Okay. I'm sorry. You're all wrong. No. Oh, no. Is it the wasp? 
It's the wasp. It sows confusion. It it plants a chemical bomb, and the ants are like, ah! Yeah. And then in the meantime, it's like, I'm going to stick my egg inside of this caterpillar. Oh. There's other caterpillars out there that aren't but living in But this one's in like, a... doesn't go anywhere. It's just always in the same place, Earth, always with these yeah. ants. You know it's going to be safe, I guess. You know it's going to be one? there. They're going to take mm. care of your, yeah. They're right. going to take care of your food sack, yeah, your like, baby's mm-hmm. food sack for years. So are there nuggets of truth in the other ones? Yes, there are some nuggets. There is a species of ant that has changed its surface chemistry, particularly to outsmart this caterpillar, but it doesn't, they don't eat them. Wait, a species of ant that changes its... Yeah, so there's a species of ant that has changed its surface chemistry so it no longer matches. Oh, okay. It's like an arms oh, race thing. I see. But it doesn't do it, like, spontaneously once the caterpillar is there. They've just evolved out of being tricked. Yeah. Okay. And the other one is a thing that happens with ducks. So brood parasites are also a thing in birds, where mm-hmm. a bird will come along and lay an egg in a nest. And there are... Uh, let's quote here. Male facultative interspecific brood parasitic ducks mistakenly courted females of the host species instead of their own. So they're parasitic ducks? Parasitic <laughs> ducks! <laughs> Next up, a short break, and then the fact off. Special Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome back, Hank Buck Total. Sarah, you're coming in last with negative one. Mm. I've got three, Sam's got zero, and Stefan's got one. Mm. I need to tangent a bunch, you guys, because I'm Ooh. just I'm killing it. 
You're still one point behind me, so. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the fact off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds and yours listening at home. The presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. And now it's time and we will go by the person who most recently <laughs> got a piercing. Oh, that's a kind oh. of metamorphosis of your own Interesting, body. Yeah, yeah a, a very fast change. I got one in third grade. I got my ears pierced, and then I realized that I hated the feeling of metal going through my body, and so then I cried a lot whenever I had to twist them. And then I eventually I took them yeah, out. I did not. I did not like that feeling when I had piercings. When you have to mess, twist the them, well, because you have to keep the hole open oh. long enough to like make sure for it, it to heal open. up. Yeah, yeah, that was a very bad feeling. Oh, never. I never have. Yeah. Never have in the piercing. No, you. No, no piercings on on this body. Well, I would have. Yeah. I would have beat all of you, but I'm, it's not me. <laughs> When's the last Wait, time you got a piercing? Was high school. Oh, okay. Oh, I think after third grade, I decided I didn't want piercings anymore, and I was like, tattoos is what I want as oh. an adult. Yeah, I've never seen Sari. Hmm. She's covered in tattoos. <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> Head to toe. Wild. <laughs> okay. So when we think about the major body changes that happen with metamorphosis, you think about like very visible or obvious things like a tadpole looks very different from a frog. But I want to talk about something that was discovered in a deep sea snail called Gigantopelta chesoya in 2018, and it's called cryptometamorphosis. Mm. So when these sea snails are babies below five millimeters or so in body length, they look and behave like a lot of snails we know. So they have normal guts and a chitinous scraper called a radula, mm -hmm. um, like a, a tongue teeth. I couldn't find uh, exactly what they eat, but it seems fairly herbivorous because they said graze in the paper. Sure. Yeah. So algae, small organisms, mm -hmm. eat, digest, poop. But right between 5.1 and 7.88 millimeters in body length, their esophageal gland grows explosively and becomes what's known as a trophosome, which is a specialized organ where chemosynthetic bacteria move in and then use things like hydrogen sulfide and oxygen to make energy, some of which goes to the snail. And as far as I can tell, the radula and the guts, like the stomach, intestines, and other things, basically stop growing. So they're proportionally very tiny because the snail grows to be like 50 millimeters or two inches in size. Mm -hmm. So I brought a picture that'll be in the show notes. But like the yellow is the organ. Oh, whoa. So its whole body basically becomes a bacteria house uh -huh. all of a sudden. At some point, but the outside doesn't change. So it looks Maybe. the same from the outside. It looks the same from the outside and just like keeps growing bigger and is bigger. Is that what crypto metamorphosis is? It means yeah. that it's like secret inside. You uh -huh. can't, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Mm, so it's hidden meta. I thought it was like a Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and these snails mine for Bitcoin. Yeah. Crypto metamorphosis is what happened to all of my money. So then they basically become bacteria houses. They stop eating altogether mm -hmm. um, huh. and just like get their energy from these bacteria that create it from gases and other chemical compounds. And then they like grow and mate and exist as adults. But like the most interesting conclusion from this was that the researchers were like, we don't know how many other sea creatures, forest creatures, whatever, could be undergoing cryptometamorphosis. Mm, right, yeah. Because the, the way they discovered this was finding adults that look like they didn't eat and they're like this is a weird ass snail it, its digestive system is not set up for eating like a normal snail and then they looked huh. at babies and they're like but, but these ones look eat. normal and it eats so when does it not and they did a bunch of x-ray scans at all different stages in so it does it not eat at all yeah so it's like um any sort of symbiotic relationship where bacteria 
consume chemicals and then like give energy to their host organism. And as far as they can tell, like the adults don't eat. Are there anything else that cryptometamorphoses? Not that we know of so far. This was only in 2018. Yeah. But like there could be other things out there secretly metamorphosizing. Yeah. Gotta start cutting everything in half until Uh we get to the bottom of it. (laughs) Yeah. But like at all life stages. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I want a bacteria sack that feeds me. I think I do too. I think that's nice. Replace all your intestines with Mm -hmm. it. Well, I could keep my intestines. Like, what if I want a piece of pizza? (laughs) (laughs) But I won't need it. Sam. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to hit us with your facts? A few years ago, a beekeeper in Spain discovered that her hives had a big problem. Human made beehives might seem like fairly secure places because they're enclosed, they're sturdy, they're probably really sticky, and they're filled with guards that have built in spears on their butts. But (laughs) to many types of parasitic animal, they are a valuable target. Filled with nutritious food like sweet, sweet honey and helpless little baby bees. Uh, One of these animals is the wax moth. So female wax moths sneak into beehives and lay their eggs in like some out of the way nook or cranny. And then when the eggs hatch into wax worms is what their larva is called, they start eating the wax of the the hive and they chew through like the honeycomb and they ruin all the stored honey and they like kill the babies indirectly because they get rid of the little brood thing that they're in and as they go they spin webs behind them that can tangle up the bees and the baby bees and they Mm. just make a huge mess and then they go into their cocoons in the hive and they come out as moths and they go to find more hives to lay eggs in so this beekeeper named federica Berticini discovered that some of the hive panels that she had in her operation had a waxworm infestation. So she grabbed a plastic bag and she cleaned all the panels. But then when she was done, she looked at the plastic bag and it had it was filled with holes and all the waxworms mm-hmm. had escaped. So for a lot of beekeepers, that would just be an annoying thing. Mm-hmm. But she is not just a beekeeper, but a researcher at the Spanish National Research Council. So this occurrence made her wonder if the waxworms had eaten the plastic If they had just chewed through the plastic or if they had eaten it, like Mm -hmm. they eat the beeswax. So they crunched up a bunch of uh, waxworm larvae and they spread it on plastic and it melted the plastic (gasps) into ethylene glycol, which is used in antifreeze, I think, and breaks down naturally after 10 days. Mm -hmm. So then they put a bunch of living worms on it and they did the same thing. They ate the plastic like of their own volition and it didn't seem like they had any health problems or anything like that. And even the silk that they spun and the cocoons that they made themselves also melted the plastic so right now they're trying to figure out why how it happens like it's obviously the same thing that lets them dissolve and digest wax wax but they don't know if it's an enzyme or if it's a bacteria but they're trying to recreate it for mass whatever you call it mass production so we can just spread it on all our garbage bags Uh uh-huh so this is my second one in a row about dissolving plastic. Yeah, <laughs> like, this all sounds kind of familiar. Well, come on. We got to save the world. That's right. I'm helping There's out. There's plastic around here. Yeah, I guess to like consume wax would require some particular biochemical machinery. Like yeah. Eating wax is not a normal thing uh-uh. that things do. It's very... We can't even do it, right? Oh, no, yeah. It's not a good mm-hmm. food. What's it, in it that would be helpful to them? I couldn't really figure it out. Oh, wax is definitely has a lot of energy in it. Okay. So like mm. you can burn it, obviously, and it mm-hmm. makes... 
Oh, right. So Candles, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> you seem very okay. rowdy, just like. Uh-huh, like a little bunch of little rowdy boys running through the hive, like chomping, like breaking all the walls down. Ooh, yeah, smashing things, eating the grubs, eating the honey. Pooping yeah. in the honey. Yeah. yeah pooping the honey. <laughs> they don't eat any bees. So they don't eat any bees or anything like that. Oh. They eat like their skin, their shed skin. What? what? <laughs> Sorry. The bees? Eat their skin. They eat the shed, the shed okay. exoskeletons. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That, they don't ever. Like, that's also a really huh. difficult yeah. to digest. But they don't ever directly harm any bees or attack any, like, <laughs> larvae or anything They're like that. They're just garbage eaters. Yeah. Well, they can be in the hive for six months, too. Whoa. So huh. they're rowdy boys for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you just go eat plastic? There's lots of plastic yeah. around. Yeah. If they you can know. do that, why are you, like, searching for beehives, which are basically, like, nowhere? Well, nobody told them. They don't know yet. Guys, plastic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, we got to teach all the moths to speak uh, human languages and, and then give tell them, them iPhones <laughs> give them iPhones <laughs> subscribe them to iTunes and then iTunes doesn't exist oh sorry Apple Podcast <laughs> <laughs> Stitcher they could use whatever they want yeah, to. Right, I don't right, care right. what podcatcher they use but they need an account no matter what <laughs> I don't know if the system can handle that many more new accounts either. We'll be like Moth 1, Moth 4, Moth 4008, you know? Yeah. But There's got to be a lot. A lot there of positive reviews. more people than wax moths. <laughs> really, though? I don't I think so. There are. There are so Probably. many of us. When people talk about a lot of insects, then they talk about like beetle species collectively, not just one. Yeah, yeah. but I bet all wax moths have the same name, and that name is Wax Moth. So... <laughs> They would need a lot of numbers after their names. Well, there Good might name. be some edgy wax moths that's like yeah. W at sign X M zero T H. Yeah. Okay. Also, the great thing about numbers is that there is an infinite, an infinite number amount of, of them. Whoa. I'm just never saying. It might be a load on the system. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> Not my primary concern with the thought experiment, but well, it it's good one. to explore all angles. Yeah. Okay, this. do you get Dr. Point for this? I don't know. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. okay, fine. Take him down with me. Oh, this is going to be the longest episode ever. I know. <laughs> so we have Sari's crypto metamorphosis where your digestive system turns into a big bacteria sack. For a snail, so it never has to eat again, which is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And Sam's, a s- scientist lady, was cleaning her beehive and her bag dis- dissolved. <laughs> yeah. And then they destroyed a bunch of wax moths and rubbed them on plastic and it dissolves plastic, mm-hmm. which is also freaking great. Those are both great. I mean, the crypto metamorphosis thing <laughs> is good. pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've never found it before. And we just found it. 2018 mm-hmm. was last year. Yeah. yeah. Well, Whoa. mine was in 2017, so that was just two <laughs> oh, years ago. God, it's the bleeding edge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna go with Sam because it. I, when I was in in school, one of the things I did was try to figure out like ways to break down lignin, which is the stuff trees are made out of. And it's just organisms on this planet are so good at making compounds that are super durable and hard to consume. And then something is always like, "But I could consume it." Mm-hmm. And I just love that there's a thing that has figured out how to eat wax, and then it might actually be, like, super useful for us. Why are you trying to melt trees, Hank? Uh, there was a good reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds pretty evil. <laughs> so I guess now it's time to ask the science couch. 
Listener questions have been sent in to us, and our couch of finely honed scientific minds is going to take them on. Stefan, what's our question? At Birana Ella asks, has there ever been a metamorphosis where scientists originally thought the two forms of the species were separate species? Depending on what you mean by scientists, like, yeah, like we used to think that about all, like everything, but mm. scientists now, like more recently, I bet, yeah, but I don't know. Sari? Didn't they think that that the caterpillars and butterflies were having sex with each other or something? Was that a thing? There is a conspiracy theory. Oh, oh. some biologists. Yeah, a conspiracy theory. That caterpillars and butterflies were two separate species. Very few people believe this. Oh. But the ones who believe it are like oh. super into it. That they were separate species, not like caterpillars and butterflies, but early on in the evolution mm-hmm. of like of metamorphosis, that like mm-hmm. a wormy thing and a flyy thing did it. Figured out how and to like do it somehow together. got all their stuff together and became one species. Oh wow. Yeah. But it's like people don't even like to bring it up uh-huh. because <laughs> it's appealing to non-scientific folks. Uh-huh. But there are some biologists who are like, but we should look into it and see if maybe. Hmm. But it is a tiny fraction That's of a science who, are, who, okay. who lend any credibility to that I- idea at all. Mm-hmm. Is it okay that I brought it up? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I feel is that like forbidden? It's kind of forbidden. <laughs> oh, no. It's like you don't want to mislead more people. Like You don't yeah. want to plant that idea into anyone else's brains. Yeah. But, so I was trying to find a concrete example of modern a modern species where this happened. And the most interesting one that I found um, was the desert locust. So locusts are just short-horned grasshoppers. So, like, all locusts are grasshoppers, but not all grasshoppers are locusts, if you think of it that way. And desert locusts are a very big pest in, like, Africa and the Middle East and Asia. Eat Mm -hmm. tons of crops. And most of the time, the desert locust is, like, greenish. So it looks more like what we would picture as a grasshopper. But there's something that causes a big physiological shift to make it like much darker, like sandy colored black and spotted. And the biggest change is behaviorally. So instead Mm -hmm. of being solitary and hopping around, they swarm. So they change colors. Yes. They look different. They get all black and spotty. And then they're like, we're going to work together now, boys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we're going to eat everything. I heard about this when when it was news. Mm -hmm. So that's recent that we found out Yeah, like they thought they were two different species of grasshopper because they look and act totally different. With the desert locust specifically, people did a study and they found that serotonin was the key compound. So... (laughs) As a juvenile, as a, as like the green docile form, um, they don't have a lot of serotonin. And mm-hmm. but when they injected serotonin into the grasshopper, that's when it physiologically and behaviorally changed. Oh. And if they added serotonin blockers, then it didn't. Hmm. Um, would it change cool. back? I don't think it would change okay. back, but it like kickstarts the transformation. Right. And so I think this falls under the umbrella of metamorphosis because it is like a big behavioral and physiological change, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like it can happen within one generation. It can also happen over multiple generations. Mm-hmm. So it's like they gradually become locusts. You just wake up one day and you're like, you know, I'm not I'm not a nice grasshopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to ask the Science Couch, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to Actually Gimli and Bob Zerker and everybody else 
who tweeted us your science questions. It's so exciting to have Gimli watching the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really him, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, before we move on to our final scores, we have a quick bit of listener mail from Logan, who is studying disaster and emergency management and has an important clarification to make re our definition of natural disasters. Ooh. A disaster, he says is generally defined as a hazard event which overwhelms a local population's ability to cope with the impacts. So a tornado that ruins a few houses is terrible, but not a disaster. If it wipes out half a town and the province, state for you, has to step in and help rebuild, that's a disaster disaster. Overall, if every hazard event that interacted with humans was a disaster, we would be absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Logan. That Thank was you, Logan. That's, that's, that's a, a very good clarification. Yeah. If you want to clarify our definition of metamorphosis please send us an email oh yeah i'm doing my best here but it's hard we can get scientists here so our hank buck final scores i come out on top with three stefan you've got one sam and sarah you got one point but you also lost one point each During I honestly process. feel like we were the most on topic the whole episode. <laughs> I mean, we and that you two just tricked us a couple it. times. Yeah, well, you know. That's the way the cookie life crumbles. Life isn't fair. Oh. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful. It helps us know what you like about the show. It also lets other people know that the show is good. We'll be looking at iTunes reviews also for topic ideas for future episodes if you want to leave uh, those there. Second, tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. And finally, to show your love for SciShow Tan. You can tell people about us. And if you want to read more about today's topics or see some good pictures of snails and locusts, check out scishowtangents.org to find links to our sources. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the awesome team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victor and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. One time... A scientist was like, what would happen if I grafted an eyeball onto the butt of a blind tadpole? What? (laughs) Just don't. Well, what happened? Well, first of all, the tadpole's nervous system figured out that it was an eye and the tadpole was able to see out of it. Whoa, he's modular. And its mind was like, yeah, that's how how eyes work. I've never known any other way for eyes to work. Ah. And then the tadpole underwent metamorphosis and there was an eyeball on the butt of the frog. That's my whole fact. An eye butt frog. And my, that's my butt fact. My computer literally just ran out of batteries.